Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Reflections on Black Mirror. I'm Dan and with me is... Another Dan, hello. Just like previous weeks, I kind of want to get straight into this one because one, this is a great episode. Two, it's the first longer episode, this one, isn't it? Yeah, all the others have felt under 40 minutes long, haven't they? Or under 40 minute mark, whereas this was at what, an hour and a quarter? Yeah, so I wouldn't call it feature length just yet. Yeah, it's definitely longer than the others. And to point this out, because we've mentioned it a couple of times now on the last couple of episodes, this was the last episode to air on Channel 4. Yeah. So from the next ones, they're all Netflix. And I was going to call this season two, episode four, but this actually was a Christmas special, which is not ironic because it's actually about Christmas and called White Christmas. It was agreed as a one-off special after Channel 4 rejected three potential scripts. That's why essentially this episode is split into three parts or we're, we're definitely splitting it into three parts. It aired, yeah, Channel 4, 16th December 2014. So yeah, just under 10 years ago now. The episode was directed by Carl Tibbetts, who had previously directed the episode White Bear, which funnily enough, I edited that episode today and I was scheduled it. So if I say White Bear at all, correct me because <laughs> I, it's, White Christmas and White Bear is, is confused me. And yeah, and as I said, it was a Christmas special taking in three stories featuring Matt, who is played by John Hamm, who I think at the time was in Mad Men. So it feels like that was quite a big, big get for the show. And Joe, played by Rafe Spool, who is Timothy Spool's son, who are in a remote cabin on Christmas Day. And yeah, well, we'll we'll go into the three stories. But firstly, before we do, just... No, do you know what? I was going to ask you your feelings on this, but I think we should uh, we should we should do the recap first, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, let's do it because I think you're right. It's a, it's, I think it's a it's a lot to pack in. I think you said three stories, but I feel like there's going to be four or five quite quite easily by the time we finish. Well, yeah, there's I think there's three stories with a fourth linking it all together. So there's yeah. four stories. We're confusing everyone, so I think probably yeah. we should just let's kick yeah. off. So you maybe, take you maybe ta- we should just people should watch this episode before listen listen to us, and it might make more sense. But uh, let's let's give it a go. Okay, so the episode starts with with Matt and Joe. Um, well, I guess Joe kind of wakes up and kind of comes into kind of a living room of this. Call it a cottage or a cabin. It's more of a cabin, isn't it? Cabin with yeah. with Chris with Christmas music playing. And he's he's obviously a bit dazed. He doesn't quite know where he is, or he does know where he is. I, I couldn't quite work it out. To me, he didn't. To me, he looked a bit confused. Yeah, he looked confused. He wasn't sure of his whereabouts, was he? No. And it, it was evidently Christmas Day. Um, you, you've got this background of Christmas music playing, um, which I felt like I was playing the whole episode. Um, well, it was. We'll, we'll come on to that. It was, um, I wish it could be Christmas every day, wasn't yeah. it? That was yeah, I guess actually the lyrics of that are quite important. I, I didn't clock Yeah. That. So uh, Matt is uh, cooking dinner and obviously in control of this situation or this, this friendship. And he's trying to get Joe to kind of open up to talk about what's happened. It becomes clear that they're kind of both there because something bad has happened in their past. And then Matt is trying to get Joe to kind of open up and, and talk about uh, what's happening. And he's obviously a bit reluctant to do so. One of the comments that Matt said was around, you know, we've been here five years and you haven't, you've said about three words to me or something along those lines. Yeah. 
Uh, so you kind of got the impression they've been in this cabin a long, long time um, and they were both kind of shut off. But Matt is cooking Christmas dinner and to kind of open Joe up, Matt decides to open up to him first, to, I guess to make it kind of like a safe environment to kind of talk back in. So then Matt launches into a story about how he finds himself in this cottage or cabin. Just before you go into that, because there was a couple of other things which I think were barely, I think, need to be said about that. So, because Joe says, why are you here? No one ends up here without things going wrong out there, like you said. And he goes, it's a job, not a jail, but often one of the same thing. Yeah. And so it's just that it's the fact that it's a job. As far as we're aware, they're there for work reasons. Yes. And before we kind of launch into Matt, we'll call it Matt's story. Is there anything else you want to add about that opening kind of cabin scene? No, just as you said about the Christmas music, how it can sometimes feel sinister if you play it over a certain thing, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got these two guys not speaking to the fact they've been there for five years. And that, yeah. that I, I remember finding odd that they've been there for five years but have hardly spoken, so you're thinking, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Okay, so then Matt begins to recall his story um, and his background about the bad thing that he, he's kind of, he does wrong, and he launches into, I guess what is seen as more like a side job, and we'll come, come on to his actual job in a minute, where he is guiding a, a guy called Harry, um, and Harry is obviously not confident when it comes to women and is obviously in a state where he wants to be in a relationship. So he, he guides Harry using earpieces and being able to share his vision so he can see everything that Harry sees and guides Harry into this party and kind of almost teaches him, gets him to be more confident as time goes on. Like a dating coach, isn't he? he yeah, he's a dating coach, yeah. And if you think so, he got Harry to go into this building, didn't he? And he kind of kind of looked things up and he goes, oh, there's a, a works party on in the back room. You should just go in there, just walk in there, be confident. No one will realise. So Harry does that. He goes into this works party. He then almost picks out um, the girl that he's interested in across the bar and goes to talk to that group of people. And again, Matt constantly being in Harry's ears, just saying, say this, say that, do this, do that and kind of guides this conversation what matt is also doing in the background is he's doing research in, into the people that he's talking to to kind of get information so someone challenges him to, as to why he's there and matt instantly gets up some information and gets harry to say in such a confident way that this other guy believes him and i think it was along the lines oh don't you remember we met at this party Blah 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 blah. You're wearing blah. this hat. You're wearing this hat, hat. and uh, all because he looked it up on Facebook or social yeah. media and then got the picture. So at this point, the guy believes him because it's a bit too coincidental to, to not be true, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? How at that point people are easily influenced, isn't it? Because he just accepted it, but he must be wrong, even though he can't remember this guy being there. He accepts that he's wrong just because this Matt was so confident saying it. So Matt then chooses one of the two girls that he wants to focus on, the quieter of, of the two girls. So there was a, a brunette and a or dark-haired girl and a blonde girl. The, I haven't actually got the name of the girl that he focuses on. Was it Greta? I think it's Jennifer. Jennifer. Okay, we'll go with Jennifer. Sorry. So again, Matt is talking him through what he should be saying and, and what he should be doing. And he, you know, he's, he's going to say, actually, if you want that girl, talk to the other one. Freeze her out, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and freeze her out and make her want to be desired and make her want 
to be wanted and, and talked to. And it's interesting because throughout the whole episode or out the whole of this this scene is I don't think she reacts in the way that Matt expects her to react in. So when he was disinterested in her, she was didn't seem that bothered. And that kind of threw Matt a little bit, but he, he still kind of worked along the, the same lines. So as time goes on, and after that initial conversation finishes, he then is able to talk to Jennifer one-on-one and they start having a conversation and she begins to open up a little bit. So it becomes quite clear that she's quite introverted and doesn't really like social interactions and doesn't like parties and doesn't actually enjoy her job. So you can tell that something is not quite right. And he almost plays on that or how he almost plays on that uh, with Matt's help and just gets to a point where she's fully comfortable um, in, in his behaviour. Then she goes off to the restroom and he then begins to talk to, to Matt on the phone. Uh, sorry, Matt through the earpiece. So he comes across as a little bit, I guess he looks like he's talking to himself. The other point to mention here is there's a whole group of them. It kind of cuts across to Matt's screen. And while Matt's guiding on his laptop, he's also got like a Teams conference a Teams conference going on with about eight other people watching. Yeah, he goes to the toilet, doesn't he? And while he's weeing, because he goes, you're not going to watch me, are you? And he goes, of course not. And then yeah. on one screen, you see him taking a piss in the toilet. Yeah. And on yeah, on the other screen, you've got the five or six guys watching. And I don't know if you noticed, but one of them was called Waldo or Waldo. Yeah, I did. Rebe- yeah, I've got that so to come up later as well. But yeah, I did. Yeah, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I actually specifically paused it to see what their names were, to see if there was any sort of cross-referencing going on. Actually, why why you said that, I have picked up, I've got a section later for loads of Easter eggs, and a few I did pick up, but a couple I actually missed, so it'd be interesting to see how many you picked up. Oh, don't test me, this is not like, this is not exact conditions. There is going to be a test at the end of it, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So like you said, yeah, he... She goes to the toilet, he starts talking to Matt, she comes out thinking he's talking to himself, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, she comes out, um, and one of the conversations that she kind of references is that she keeps on having voices in her head trying to convince her to do stuff, and he's almost convinced her at this stage, because they were talking about um, her quitting her job, and he's trying to get to the point of saying, well... You know, you need to be brave and you need to do it. Um, and all you're all you're scared about is the transition stage because you'll know you'll be okay and you'll yeah. get a new job and you'll be fine. So he almost talks her into it. But to her, this obviously has a, a bigger meaning. And as we kind of well, this is it because the, the interesting thing was she goes that now he was saying, "Oh, I hate how awkward Christmas parties are and stuff like that." And she goes, "Oh yeah, don't worry, this is going to be my last one." And he takes it to mean that she's leaving the company. Yeah. He goes, "Oh, why are you leaving?" So you've got two conversations going on. Her, obviously, on a much darker side, him innocently thinking that he's just chatting her up and they're, yeah. having, they're starting to hit it off. Yeah. And and when she comes back to the, from the restroom and she sees that he's talking to himself, I think she kind of thinks that he's in the same situation and hearing voices. And then she decides to invite him back to, to her apartment or, or flat. Um, so this is obviously going a lot better than any of them had predicted. And Matt seems definitely very pleased with himself that he's managed to, to get past the, the going back home to spend the night there. They go back to flat and he constantly stays online, doesn't he, Matt? Matt and the team constantly watch um, throughout as, as they enter the apartment. She goes off to get a drink and instructs him to go to the bedroom. So he thinks he's lucky in spending the night, but he's obviously quite nervous by this. 
And then it takes a real sinister turn <laughs> where in a matter of moments where he feels like he's about to get lucky, she ends up almost force feeding him this drink and it becomes quite clear that she's poisoning him and taking her own life and his life um, in in the process. And she almost kind of put it down to the fact that Harry has now given her the confidence to be not scared of this transitional stage and to just do it. But whereas he was saying it to quit her job, she took it to mean to take her life. And it's obviously some thoughts that she's been having for a while. At this point, <laughs> Matt is horrified and the team are horrified watching um, what's going on. Don't quite know what to do because they're obviously witnessing a murder, but also a murder they've also played a part in as well. So he shuts off his laptop and then almost goes off to, to try and hide hide what he's doing. And it becomes clear at that point that he's not in any type of office. He's in his family home. because that's not made clear before, but he kind of comes down from the attic and he's his wife and he, he treads on some kids' toys. So he's obviously a family man. Um, he's obviously doing something a bit sinister. Well, it's not, is it sinister? I don't know if sinister is a word, but something not quite right. Well, we don't know if this is like a legal business or not at this point, because what we do see, and we say, he says to the others on the screen, destroy everything. He, he says those words. Yeah. So it's almost like, is he, because he calls it romantic services. So we don't know, is this something that he's using tech in a way they shouldn't be, or is it a legal business, but he's just doing it illegally, or because the fact there's a murder, he didn't have to get involved in it, and he didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I think it's this fat night, isn't it? He comes down, and he then has an argument with his wife, doesn't he, who suspects yeah. him of doing something that she, he shouldn't do, and it's at this point whereby she, you, this is the first encounter of the blocking of someone, which... I think we could talk about a whole hour about this yeah. this yeah. week because this this blew my mind. So now we're kind of a he's he's in his family home, we're having an argument, and she goes down onto her little device, similar to what we saw in the entire history of you, wasn't it? But obviously yeah. a bit more advanced, and she blocks him, which means that he is now greyed out to her, and she is greyed out to him, and they can't communicate until she unblocks him which is obviously it's the real world version of blocking someone on your phone or, or, or your chat. And it's it, the next it's, level. It's, it's the next level thing, but she's in complete control about what happens next. And then it cuts back to the cottage. I keep on a cottage. It's not a cottage, but into the cabin where he has a bit of a, a debrief with Joe um, about what happened. And then Joe kind of suggested that this dating thing or dating coach is his job and then he kind of implied actually no it's not my job this is what my my job is and i think this is where you're gonna start yeah. up and he says it's a side hustle but just before we move on to that yeah the blocking thing so if you haven't seen it and honestly do recommend you seeing it slight dan says that they appear grayed out but more than that they kind of look like like the white noise you remember you see on tv if you turn to a channel that wasn't transmitting and also the voice that you can't make anything out. It sounds like if you're hearing someone underwater, doesn't yeah. it? So you can hear them speak, but you can't actually hear any words. It'd be so like, you know, we've all had arguments with, with partners and, and stuff like that. And I can't, if I felt like you you could finish like un, an unfinished argument and just be particularly angry and someone blocks you. That would, it would drive, drive me insane. There's so much I want to say, but 
it comes up in the third yeah. bit, which you're going to explain. So we won't say anything more then. So in what kind of cool story too, um, this is where you find out what Matt did. This flashback starts off, you see a woman, she's lying on a bed. It looks like a sterile hospital. And when I mean sterile, I mean, it looks like a fancy, futuristic, very minimalist, sorry, I should say, rather than sterile. And there's a bit, at first, I didn't write this down, but then it became apparent later. So the nurse comes along and gives her breakfast and she sort of complains. She says, no, the toast is overdone. I like it. It's like less done. Can you take it away? Anyway. The nurse picks it up, takes it away. So we know she's there to be operated on. Another nurse or anaesthetist comes along, starts putting her to sleep. And while she they're putting her to sleep, she's not been put, or it appears she's not been put to sleep properly because she's talking and she's panicking. She's going, hold on, I'm still awake. I can hear everything, et cetera, et cetera. And then we hear a term, extracting cookie. She then wakes up and we see there's a small incision in the side of her head and the surgeon placing a chip of some sort into a device that looks like an egg. The next scene is then Matt sitting in front of the egg with the woman we saw in the bed talking through it, or the voice at least talking through it. She starts getting scared, she's not knowing what's going on. And then this is where we then do see her inside, quote, the egg, don't we? We see a replica version of her. He explains to her that she's actually a copy of herself. He explains that a client comes into his company, they insert a chip, which they call the cookie, into the person's head. They leave it there for a week where the cookie shadows a person and it's then removed and placed into an egg. Yeah, they then take the cookie and put it into a simulated body of the person, which is the person he's speaking to now. This simulation is in a room with nothing but a control panel. To kind of cut this story short, we find out that the copy version is actually now like a um it's going to be like a personal assistant isn't it to the real version so like an alexa or a google home yeah, yeah. maybe look at alexa a little bit differently yeah <laughs> yeah so the copy i don't know what to call it but the copy starts panicking and saying i don't want to do this i don't want to do this this isn't you can't do this to me so what he then does he tries to gain control over her by simulating three weeks of time for her. So one account of that he's got, he fast forwards three weeks, then cuts back to her and we see her a little disheveled, little, what's the word, disoriented, because she was saying she was stuck there in time. She wasn't able to sleep or do anything, but she still refuses to be an assistant. So what he then does is he fast forwards six months and he then says, I think he's saying to Joe in the present time, he says the trick is to try and break them without making them snap. So once the uh, six months has counted down on his little time, and, and this is seconds for us, remember, but it's six months for the copy. We then see her and her hair, her hair is now even more disheveled and she's now begging to be put to work. Next scene, we see the real version of her come down the stairs and mentions, I, I know there was something here that, was also mentioned in the first bit and I meant to come back to it and I couldn't work out what this was but did you notice in the first two stories there was talk about a man riding a horse with his shirt off yes yeah yeah I did yeah I didn't pick up what that was or, or have I missed something totally no he, he obviously yeah so he obviously um suggested using the, in the in the dating story to get the female's attention and then he obviously said it himself to get it's Beth yeah. isn't it 
I might less, look at that when I might look yeah. at that when you're doing yours. But yeah, so we see her come down, talks to him, and the next scene we see the cookie running the house around the real woman, playing music, making toast, relaying all her appointments, and that's why I said um, about the toast because he then makes a cookie, make the toast. Because ultimately, what this is now, distill it down into: we live in a world where you can have a Instead of having a Google Home or an Alexa and other ones, other assistants must be available. I think they're saying, who better to run your house and the life around you than you? Only you know yourself as well as you do. So this is what it is. I guess the sinister twist in this one is that it, to all intents and purposes, is almost like a real version of you, isn't it? Because yeah. this per this woman, she displayed fear, she displayed anger, and then he broke her, as he said. And... The final bit I had on this was back in the real world, in the cabin, Joe describes it as being barbaric, that she was doing this against her will. Matt says he was kind of surprised by his reaction, as most people would say she was just code and wasn't real, and that Joe is kind. Joe says he is a good man, and Matt says a good man who has done bad things. Tell me more. So that's kind of the end of story two. So was there anything around that or should we come back to it and we we go into the no not anything that's missed i think there's a few conversation points in there and it's just like skipping over the whole being in isolation for six months or appearing to be in isolation for six months that is barbaric that's yeah that's a yeah and they kind of they didn't skip over it but it's kind of like that whole thing took a few seconds and it's i don't feel like it got the importance it it needed well i think it was just to to show that person was in charge but also yeah it's um you know if you link it into the first story where he says to that harry about yeah you've got to freeze the woman you want out and make her want to be interested in you and then here it's like he's talking about people as the key is to what did i say the term was it's something so it was, along the lines of you got to uh, control yeah, without breaking them. So you're kind of getting the view then that this Matt, while he comes across as this smooth-talking looking guy, that maybe he's got quite a bit of a, a demon in him, hasn't he? So yeah. this then cuts into nicely segues to when he says you're a good man who's done bad things to be here, so tell me more. And and then we hit the final part. So uh, the as we go, we go back into the, the cabin and Joe starts telling his story of why he's kind of been there. Uh, and why he finds himself in this situation. So it goes back to, I think it just goes back to a karaoke bar where they're hanging out as a couple. As kind of the night, karaoke night goes on, um, and I think they're with a, a secondary couple, aren't they? They're with a second couple there. Now, it comes across to me that even though he thinks he's in a, in a very happy relationship, I don't think she appears to be. There's obviously something kind of bothering her throughout the night. I can't remember if it's, do we go... Is it a karaoke bar? Do they go? Um... No, it's a, it's a... well, they're doing karaoke in it. I think. So probably doing, but it's, it's like a double date, isn't it? And they're or is that the next time they meet? Sorry, I've, I've, my mind's gone blank of, of what happened. No, no, that, but... no, that's uh, that's the right bit where they've got uh, at least one of her friends or work colleagues. I think is with her. Yeah, correct. Anyway, they, it, the night comes to an end. Uh, they're all going to bed. He is just about getting ready and he discovers a positive pregnancy test. Um, and I don't know if this is one of the Easter eggs that you mentioned, yeah. but <laughs> this, this is the pregnancy test that you really like. <laughs> this is yeah. the, the future tech where there's a little baby waving on, on the pregnancy test. 
And obviously that provokes a discussion between the two of them. She is quite adamant that she doesn't want the baby. He obviously is in a position where he does want the baby. He gets angry very quickly, which I think you can kind of tell that's kind of what their relationship is like. Uh, And as he's getting angry and furious, he then gets blocked by her. And he, she kind of suggests, well, we'll talk about this tomorrow or something along those lines. So then she blocks him and he's trying to have an argument, but obviously can't. Um, and is, is forced to kind of just sit back in the end. But actually, this goes on for a, a little bit longer. And he gets, so she doesn't unblock him the next day. This goes on for a, a few days, whereby he's trying to almost get her to have a conversation. He follows her around for a little bit to the point where she's no longer there. Or, no, she leaves the house, doesn't she? She leaves the house with her bags. Well, they break up at all. In yeah, they, yeah, they effectively break but up. She never unblocks him, yeah. Correct, she never unblocks him. He then follows her around, assumes that she's got rid of the baby, and he then tries to go to her work and finds out that she has left work um, and is no longer there, so he has no way of kind of tracking her down. So he goes into a grieving process, but the grieving process is quite difficult because even when he looks at photos of her, yeah. she is blocked on there. So it's just a grey image. So we can't even look back on her photos. And this is what I wanted to say earlier. I found that the really interesting point is that it's basically any image of her. That's brutal. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you might want to, you know, you might want to reminisce and look at happier yeah. moments of your relationship, but it all, it also almost deletes a happy happy moments proper blocking that isn't it <laughs> yeah it really is and we've got to bear in mind that at this point he still hasn't had the closure yeah of the relationship ending or her saying that the relationship has ended then eventually he sees her in town well i'd say sees her he sees a gray image and knows it's her and he discovers that she's pregnant so again while he's trying to do this grieving and, and getting closure he he can't even have a conversation about this life-changing moment that he's just been through because he can't talk to her. And now he knows that he's expecting a child but can't have that conversation. And especially if we get into his head at the moment, they broke up because he wanted the baby and she didn't. And now she's keeping the baby, yeah. Yeah, so he, again, as he's trying to get closure, it's just impossible, isn't it? Because there's just another spanner in the works. Um. Then, obviously, they don't talk again. But the one thing he does know is that she goes to um, her dad's at Christmas um, into this little cottage in the woods. So he decides to start following or uh, watching Christmas Day from afar, um, from, from the edge of the cottage and, and sees what's going on. And he, he, I get the impression he does this for a few years. Um and that's kind. It feels like that's kind of what he lives for is to get into that Christmas day where he yeah. can go and watch his family grow up. But another harsh moment of the blocking is when it comes when it comes out that the block also applies to the the, the parents' offspring. So he now can't. Line, isn't it? He yeah. now can't see the baby. Um, so he can see he can see her walking and the baby walk. Um, a baby walking. The baby be carried in, and I can obviously see the granddad, but he can't. He can't see his wife or or the baby. So again, he's, he's trying to get closure. He can't. One important point he he mentioned there is he, it's like he doesn't even know if this baby's a boy or a girl because he can only see the silhouette. 
um, of a person. And he does that. He, he stalks him for a few years and he then starts leaving the child Christmas presents and then he's able to work out that the child is a girl because he can see the long hair on, on the yeah. silhouette. So he now believes he has a daughter. Then it, it cuts back to a conversation between Matt and Joe and then kind of Matt asked him some questions. And then there's a, f- a few little weird things that happen. I can't remember if it's at this point he kind of sees the clock up on the wall with, with the birds on, which becomes... Yeah, I think he does, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few things that happen where you realise that, that that scene's not doesn't is not quite right. For example, I don't know if you noticed, you know, one scene they're having Christmas dinner and the second scene they're sitting on an empty table and it's all cleared up. Um, which but you know what? I didn't good. pick that up. No, I didn't pick yeah, that up. Yeah, there's, there's just, just a few things where you realise that that scene's not real and that kind of feeds into later. But then Joe responded, well, actually, no, then something really horrible happened. Um, and then he begins to open up um, about what happens next because this is the bit he's obviously hiding or, or doesn't want to talk about. So he sees on a news report that his wife or ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, I can't remember if they're married at that point, has died in, in some sort of traffic accident. And at that point, the block has been removed. Um, so he's now able to see her image. Uh, so he sees her on the news. And he made a point of saying it's really weird because that's you know it's almost like not the person he remembered, not not the image he remembers because she's obviously yeah. aged uh, yeah, a little bit yeah. since then. But he goes into a little bit of a spin of what to do next. Now he knows that the child no longer has a mother or father, but he also knows the blocks now removed, so at least he can see his child again. He then goes to the pof- the family property at Christmas Day and goes to leave his daughter. A, a present um, but at this point he decides to go a step further and actually see his child close up and at this point um, he discovers that the child is of ethnic origin and you know, quickly apparent that the child is not actually his so this whole thing he's been going through sort of what four years I say more than that because I, I would put the girl at about maybe five or six plus a year's pregnancy or the yeah, night. So, so this this is seven, seven years, years of trying to get closure or trying to understand something to a point where it completely unravels within seconds. Well, he's he's longing. He's he's desperate to see his kid, and after seven years, realizing it was never his kid. Yeah, and that just and must it, be devastating. Yeah, it's um. It's hard to know how to take it, but we'll explain why, how he takes it. <laughs> so he, um, um, so he's obviously very angry at this point, very emotional. Um, it links back to some clips whereby his friend or her friend—I don't know whose friend it was—but the the guy from the other couple that were hanging around with is also of ethnic origin. So he puts two and two together and realizes that it's it's um, as a result of an affair with someone he knows. He obviously loses a bit and I think he, he struggles to even comprehend what's happened because he goes into the house and quite adamantly goes I want to see my daughter I, I want to see my daughter he's, so he's obviously not accepting what's happened how did you take it because I had it that he knew that that wasn't his daughter but because for seven years he's wanted to see his daughter it's almost like he's deluded himself now because his daughter's taken away, but he should still have a daughter because for seven years he's convinced himself he yeah. has. So, I, yeah, I kind of took it that it's not that he wanted to see that kid. He wanted his kid that he rightly thinks should be his. Yeah, he just I think he struggles for it all to kind of click the reality of, of what's happened. 
and he's in a, I think he's in a bit of a denial. So when he goes and has a an argument with the dad, uh, the dad, the the granddad of the child. The other point I think to notice is at this point you realise that the clock that's in the scene of the first cabin that's not right. The, the present day. In, is in the, yeah, yeah, but is in the present day scene as well. So again, another kind of link to think that that scene's not real. But then he has an argument with uh, the granddad of the child. And it ends up with him attacking him with a snow globe, which is the present that he bought um, the little girl. Um, so, the, so at this point, the, the granddad is dead. Um, he's in the house alone with uh, with a little girl. But then he just leaves the house, doesn't he? And, and leaves yeah. the little girl in, in the house alone. And I think it then leads on to the fact that the, the little girl has passed away. I, I think remember. what it is, is after a day or so, she's going either to find someone or find help, doesn't she? She leaves the house. And because it's yeah. really snowy, isn't it? Really bad weather. I yeah. think she just, she she freezes to death. She dies outside because she gets lost. Yeah. She's on her own. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then I think when it cuts back to the present day, he begins to see the image of the girl in the snow outside yeah. on, on, on the present day as well. So then it kind of cuts back to Matt and Joe, doesn't it? Back in the, in the present day. Yeah. Yeah. Whereby Matt is, try, is trying to get Joe to acknowledge that he's responsible for this or he, he, he plays a, a part to blame. I can't remember the exact words to use, but he's trying to get an admission of guilt. Doesn't he say, where was the girl or something? Where Or what happened to the girl? And he was saying, I only know what they told me or something. But yeah. And like you said, they're then trying to pinpoint him actually admitting to it what he did. Yeah. And then when he eventually does, he breaks down and said, kind of said, it's my fault. It's my fault this has all happened. Matt almost does a little celebration yeah. and cuts out of a scene and almost was like, I knew I could do it. And he kind of yes. cuts out the scene where he's obviously in a room with two police officers or two people that are investigating the crime with a bit of a gloat to say that he got the admission um, that they wanted. Do you want to do the next bit or do you want me to carry on? No, no, on? no, you carry on. No, no, you crack okay. on. Yeah. You're enjoying yourself. Good. Yeah. <laughs> sit, sit, sit back, put your feet up. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't write notes on this because I was. Exp- I, I knew you were going to do this, so I'm, 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 <laughs> no, it's, I'm it's, listening. It's, whew, it's fine. Right, let me go to the next page. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So, yes, it goes back to the the police cell. um, And this is where all the stories kind of get tied in together and almost like a few loose ends begin to to come together. So it's it's quite clear that the the scene, the cabin in the woods, obviously a film, so it struck me by surprise. Um, The the cabin is a a fictional scene of of which they've been placed there for Matt to get um, an admission of guilt from, from Joe. It then transpires fairly quickly that the... The Joe character in the cabin is actually a cookie. So a, a copy of real life Joe who's sitting in a cell somewhere. So he obviously has all the same memories and all the same traumas that real life Joe has. But Joe is obviously in a prison cell and has not admitted guilt, but his duplicate has. Um, yeah. So at this point, the police are, are confident they can kind of lock him up or or punish him or or send them to trial or whatever they need to. Hence why, sorry, at the start, I made a point of saying about the five-year line because that was really important when you come right back to it because he's yeah. he's fast-forwarded it five years. But it it didn't add up that it was five years, but he didn't know why he was there. 
if you know what yeah. I mean. But once you've seen it, you can fill it all back in place. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. So yeah, so it, it feels like they then they go on to almost punish for Cookie, don't they? The 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 copy. They do two things, don't they? They kind of leave him there for an extended period of time. I think it's years. I, think, I can't remember the exact figures it was, but it was years. Wasn't it like 100 years or something? Basically, Infinity, they were just going to yeah. put him into that, like they did with their woman in the second one. But instead of six months, I think it was just years yeah. and years and years. Years and years and years. And then they also played <laughs> We Wish It Could Be Christmas Every yeah. Day on loop. And he couldn't, like, yeah. he, tried, he obviously tried smashing the radio, but he, he kept coming back. Um, so he's now in this. The duplicate version of him is now in torture and, and can't escape. Then it cuts back to Matt's story, whereby Matt claimed Matt said, "Right now, I've got the admission of guilt. The deal was that you're going to let me go because um, Matt's obviously trying to get off the hook for his crime in the in the dating uh, dating coach story. So then they have a conversation about it and go, "Well, we're, we're going to let you go, but we're going to block his his third bit, the block." Has come back. We're going to block you to everyone. I think so. It's key because they put him on like the sex offenders register, haven't they? So yeah. even though yeah. they're letting him free here, yeah. I mean, well, I assume most countries there's a sex offenders list because of what he was doing with the romantic things. And yeah, like I said, they're blocking him permanently. They're, they're blocking permanently, which is one thing. But the other thing I thought was quite thought provoking was that to everyone else, he appeared red. So yes, everyone else. Yes. Everyone else knows he's blocked, but we also know stay away from this guy. Like he's he's horrendous, and obviously no one knows what his crime is. It could be anything, right? It could be like we said, it's a sex offenders register. But it's it's like oh, I see someone evil over there, but I can't talk to him or do anything to him. And that was a bit thought provoking how that kind of happened as well. And then I think that kind of draw drew the episode to a close. Unless you, there was any other points, no, I missed. no, no, no. That that's hit it all, but. The final scene was that weird psychedelic thing where you go back to the, is it the Joe in the cabin? And he picks up the radio that's playing the song, smashes it, turns around, and there's another one there, picks it up, yeah. smashes it, turns around, just to show he's living it over again. And I did look. They actually did do that. That was all one scene. So when the camera pans away, someone's quickly putting another radio there. Oh, really? To pick up. And they had to get it right because they only had limited amount of radios. Just to finish that, yeah, so he was blocked permanently to any, so he couldn't see anyone or hear anything. Now, I guess where do we start on this, right? So firstly, yeah, the blocking, right, is just amazing in terms of what that can or can't do and if you could do it. But what I wanted to focus on for me initially, the first question, what do you think about the ending? Because it's funny I mentioned doing... Uh, editing white bear today because there we were talking about is she actually being punished because she doesn't know what she's done we saw in that second part of this episode that putting the cookie on a time loop is a kind of torture but that's a simulated version of him but someone that has feelings so is what they're doing to that cookie right do you see what i'm trying to say (laughs) Yeah, I, I see what you say. Sorry, I'm sorry. I guess it's because they can't do it to the real person, so it's almost like they're getting their their revenge by doing it on that. I guess the question is: Is that person a person? Like at, at that point where you take that cookie out and insert it into some sort of simulated thing or whatever they insert into the egg. Let's just say into the egg. That egg thinks it's alive. So at that point, it's another conscious, isn't it? So is is that conscious 
is doing something inhumane to that that thing. Is that still inhumane or is it not anymore because it's not not real? I call it yes, because I think that's the whole point. And that second part of it, when you're watching it, you think, oh, this just feels a bit of a weird epi- weird part of the episode, doesn't it? You think it's a bit throwaway and that until the end and then you see how it ties in. Because we saw the woman in that, um, did you say she's called Beth, I think? Well, no, Beth was his girlfriend in the final one. But the, the woman in the second part, when he fast forward just three weeks, she was almost in terror, wasn't she? She was like, no, yeah. please don't do that. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sleep. You know, the fact that she needs to sleep or wants to sleep means that it is a conscious person. But my my argument is it's just an extract from the real person. So is punishing that copy the right thing to do? Because they, in a, in a sense, just like that, you know, the character from White Bear they don't know what they've done, technically, but they only know what they've done because it's the memories that have been extracted from the person. We're gonna get, we're gonna open up a huge can of worms here, but yeah, that was for me one of the biggest takeaways: is are they just doing it because they just want to get their their revenge on someone, and they know they can't do that kind of thing to the person who actually did it? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? I'm just wondering whether we should order some snacks and keep going. <laughs> yeah, let's just do it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so well, if you can order some to my house, please. Yeah, what are you yeah. Um, I, I just think I get Alexa to do it and see what's happens. Yeah. Um, be, nice, so be nice to Alexa. The, the, the first... So there's two kind of like beings, isn't there, which are, are copies of, of real people. The first one hasn't got the memories of committing a crime. So in her eyes, she's being punished because her creator has decided that she wants a version of her to control the house, right? So there's a, there's a bit of, you know, there's something ethically there uh, whereby, you know, if we had that option, would you create another version of you just to like live in a prison and control your house? Like, is that thought process inhumane in itself that you're almost creating life and then, blocking it or do you see it just as a bit of code i wonder though and this we've said this with black mirror they it doesn't give you all the answers what we don't know is do why does society know that the copy is almost to intense purposes a real version of you or do they think it's just algorithm if he hasn't said that if they just think it's a um just a bit of code that's come from your memories they, they might care. just think that you're plugging memories into chat GPT, mightn't they? Or, yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, but he of the Matt obviously knows it's like um a, a different conscious. But the other point you um you touched upon about the whole um six weeks and she's trying to, to sleep and then he kind of responds going, You don't need to sleep, you're not a real person, um yeah. type thing. But even that's like we can't we can't um we can't envisage that not needing to sleep and just being awake all the time because yeah. we're so in tune to having that sleep. I, I spent quite a while thinking about that. Just what happens if you were just awake twenty four seven? That would be hell, wouldn't it? Yeah, and and just something else on the ending that you said before because I'd love to talk about the episode as a whole. Yeah, it was the fact that he was red because. You got the impression he's walking through like a Christmas market, isn't he? And I almost got the impression like one of the storeholders almost looked like I thought he was going to go attack him because yeah. I got the impression that red must mean 
like sex offender or, or or criminal, some form of criminal, yeah. And it was the way he stared at him. Now maybe he's just staring because he's wary, but yeah, is that now making him a target? Because nowadays, you know, in the modern day, you don't know you could walk past twenty twenty sort of criminals or or, or ex prisoners. You wouldn't know. But in this version of the world, you know exactly who the criminals are. Yeah. So does that that, and, that obviously uh, makes him a target? And do we do we think right the crime he committed was that bad? Like all he's done is give someone advice on to how to you know be confident with women. Can he really be? All he's done is oh, this is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? This is a all he's done is coach someone right to to get to a position where he's more confident with a woman. He hasn't yeah. committed the crime. He hasn't. It's not like he planned it. Um, you know, you could. I don't know, you could coach anyone today to be in a position where they could do themselves harm. It doesn't make it your fault that they've, they've you know, done harm. The only thing is, again, and it's that not knowing the wider story, it was the fact that when he said destroy everything, so again, is he doing it illegally or is that even illegal? The one, I guess the one thing he did do which was illegal, which, which we do know, is he didn't report the crime. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he didn't, um, you know, as, as evidence there. Uh, um, and I wonder if if he'd actually just done that, whether he would have been okay. I remember finishing the program thinking, if I was him, I would rather be in the other bloke's position in terms of being in prison because that's even worse, I think, than being in prison because he can't see anyone. He can't even hear anything. He can't watch a film. He no, can't listen to music. No. He can't watch films. He can't no. look through pictures because everyone's no. going to be this grey... It's just going to have a life of nothing. So wouldn't it be better in prison almost? It's like yeah. it's, they've actually done a worse thing to him than because, you know, by letting him go, I think. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But the episode as a whole, isn't it? It's just fantastic because it starts off really weird and mysterious with them two just alone in a cabin. And then just seeing these stories, you just don't think it's going to build up to what it's going to build up to, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's clever how we're interlinked because initially you just think these are all very separate stories. And then it does kind of link back up at the end. But also, I think there's three, maybe four themes there that could have been an episode by themselves. Like the whole yeah. Alexa thing, could definitely, they could definitely have made that an hour show. The dating coach thing could have definitely made that longer. And the whole Joe story about you know being separated from his family and then finding out it wasn't his daughter, that, that could have been a whole thing. But we obviously covered each of them in about 10, 15 minutes. But it's easily a lot enough there to make a full episode out of. I'll come on to that. What you were just saying reminded me as well. It's like, I thought what was really good about this episode is it delivered so many like punches to the stomach. Like the first one where, because you kind of feel for that, Harry, don't you? Because he comes across as, yeah, like you said, the main thing about that first story was he wasn't a cocky guy. So he just seemed like someone who was really nervous, really unsure about himself met this girl he really liked and then he gets killed so that's the punch to the stomach number one the second one is the whole blocking and you realize how brutal that is and that's a punch but then the third one is and it's really clever how they do it first it's the revelation that the kid wasn't joe's but then turning him then into a murderer yeah and the reveal that the whole episode isn't real in the sense of it's within a an egg or a cookie itself, you know, that yeah. it, it's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's just such a great episode from start to finish. 
And with each of those stories as well, and you, like you say, the punch, and I'm guessing this is what you're trying to imply, is some of those endings of those mini stories I just didn't see coming. I didn't, you know, in, in it was very late on when I, I saw that she was going to murder him with, with that poison. I just didn't see it coming that the kid wasn't going to be his. It just took a twist, doesn't it? There's about three or four twists in there that you just don't see coming in, until, until you see it. And it really does make going back to watch it again, which I, I think I wanted, I might do tonight actually, even more worthwhile because it's. I think it's one of those kind of things that once you see the end twist, when you go back to the start, like the why they didn't know each other, why they hadn't spoken to each other, why it's been five years, all starts making sense. Him when he said you've got to sort of try to control them without breaking them, that's basically what he was doing the whole episode. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was trying to get it from him. But when he realized it wasn't, he then made the first two thirds of the program about him rather than Joe, wasn't it? So it's, you know, it's about controlling him without breaking him by making him face up to it before he was ready. Um, It's fascinating. Yeah, very, very, very good. Yeah, so I I had some stuff on the program. So as it says here, following the second series of Black Mirror, Channel 4 agreed to a third series of four episodes on the condition that detailed synopses of the episodes were given. After presenting some ideas, Charlie Brooker and executive producer Annabelle Jones were told that they weren't very Black Mirror, leaving the show in a limbo situation. A year later, Brooker and Jones were able to negotiate a 90-minute Christmas special called White Christmas. The episode incorporated one of the ideas they had pitched, Angel of the Morning. So so this was technically going to be the basis of three new episodes for a new series. Channel right. 4 didn't like them, so they took it and made it one of... The one thing I'm glad they didn't do, it says here the setting of a spaceship was briefly considered, which I don't know how you could have made that work. Because the whole thing is, it was it was realistic. Yeah, so they were trying to make the the bit where the two of them are sitting together in a spaceship rather than a cabin. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think the whole point of it being a cabin, maybe it wasn't planned to be a Christmas episode, but they were able to make it Christmassy because it was a snowy cabin, wasn't it? Yeah. A couple of other things. So story one, the dating one, that was inspired by Brooker's observation of people on the street using Bluetooth headsets for calls who looked like they were talking to themselves as if they had a mental illness. Now, do you remember that? Those little Bluetooth yeah things over there and it was it, it was weird you used to walk around and just people would start talking so you think they're talking to you but then you see the little earpiece yeah right? story two with the cookie that was inspired by the idea of someone who puts a consciousness into a toaster and the toaster then falls in love with them brooker had considered the idea for a while and realized it was an effing nightmare <laughs> rather than a love story One draft of the story showed Greta's cookie watching Greta play with her kids, realising that she would never be able to hug her children again. This scene was rejected as too weird and nasty for the episode, but it was used later on in an episode, which I won't mention here. And story three, the third story about... Before you go on to to the third story, sorry, but the second story around the cookie and the... What what, what year did you say this episode was released in? Uh, 2014. So it was in November 2014 when Alexa was announced. So it's the, it's the same year. So Yeah, this would have been done a lot before then because for it to be so ready. So it's interesting, isn't it, how, like, again, the whole concept of a device in an egg shape <laughs> controlling controlling your house 
was released after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The third story was based on an idea from Brooker's 2001 series called Unovations, in which a pair of glasses showed homeless people as cartoon characters. With the invention of Google Glasses, this looked more possible in reality. The idea of blocking on social media was also considered, and the ending takes inspiration from Stephen King's 1981 short story, The Jaunt, and 1982 series finale of Sapphire and Steel. So that, that was just to give an inkling of where it came from. Now, let's talk about the Easter eggs, and then again, we can come back for any more comments. But I did pick up a number, but I didn't realise how many were, there were. So bearing in mind, he thought this was going to be the last episode of this programme ever. Okay. So he pretty he pretty much included an Easter egg to every other episode up till now. Right. Now, there are references made to the Waldo moment where Waldo was the fictional character we saw. Like you said, it was one of the the uh, the pickup artistry clients has the username I am Waldo. But apparently, and I didn't see this one when he's flicking through the news channel and sees the accident that his wife was killed in. I think the character is supposedly. Uh, appears briefly on there when he's flicking through the channels. Well, the character of Wald, the character of Waldo yeah, appears on there. I believe character. so. Yeah, this one I did see. So similarly, as he is flicking through the channels, there is the the game show that appears in Fifty Million Merits. The do, do you remember in that one there was the singer who'd made it big? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw, saw, I saw her that, face. Yeah. And oh, and there's another client I think that has the name Pie Ape, which is referenced to another show in that. 15 million okay. merits. This one I missed. The ticker during a news report mentions Michael Callow, who was the Prime Minister in the National Anthem, okay. as well as Victoria Scalane from White Bear and Liam Monroe from the Waldo moment. So I missed all of those. Oh, well done. <laughs> this was the other one I spotted because this was, well, to me, it was, it stuck in my head. So, you know, when they're doing the karaoke at the end in that final one, she sings a song that the woman sang in 15 million merits. Oh, that was the same that. song. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, Beth sings anyone who knows what love is the same song that Abby sings. This one I missed as Joe's jail cell closes, the symbol that was the recurring symbol in white bear appears on the door. Okay. And the final one was, yeah, the pregnancy test Joe finds uses the same positive result animation as Martha's. And I have seen, some people say that the technology that they used to block, because you see um, in that first one where his wife blocks him, pulls it out, is supposed to be the same technology as the entire history of you. That's what I felt. I almost felt like it was the next version up, didn't it? Yeah, so I, I kind of thought that might be the case. Because you could see there was other things like messages, etc. And there's also one that did flash up and he uses it at the end when he's spying on his, well, what he thinks is his kid. There's an enhance or there's an enlarge option and he, yeah. you can see closer, can't you? So yeah. I just love the fact that there were so many tie-ins. So each episode now isn't, you know, they do all live in the same universe in these first two series. Yeah. So what else about this program? Is there anything else? I mean, this definitely makes you think this episode, doesn't it? Would you, um, I know we touched blocking, but would you like to see blocking introduced and do you think you'd ever use it? I don't know. I think it's such a harsh thing, isn't it? Although one thing does show about, you know, how prevalent kind of social media is in in things that even nine years ago, the whole thing of blocking people like that, that this probably would have been really shocking and it still is now. So it's 
would you take it to the next extent? I, I don't think I would. And I don't know, it would be really weird. Although it would make it easier. You know, imagine if you did go somewhere. Now you might not spot somebody you, you're trying to avoid is there. And then you end up bumping into them. But at least this, you've got no way of not seeing that someone you've blocked is there, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, oh, would true. you? Would you? Um, no, I don't, I don't. I think. I think it's a horrific idea. I just, I, I really felt for that that Joe, um, not being able to get the closure he needs because he can't have a conversation or even the argument. He can't even finish the argument he's having. And I'm sure we've all had that where we're arguing with someone and you need to get it through to a conclusion before you can move on. And to have that for seven odd years, just to have someone disappear on him like that is. It's difficult. I don't think I'd, I'd use it on anyone. I don't think. Imagine, oh my word, I was I was just thinking, so imagine you have blocked a few people, right? You don't like a, a couple of your ex-colleagues or whatever. Then in your job, you end up at a business meeting where you're, you're, you're dealing with a few other companies and half the table you can't see because you blocked them. So you can't really <laughs> yeah. get your, your device out to unblock them. So how are you going to handle that meeting when you can't speak to some of them? The thing is, it's probably a bit like I don't feel like I fall out with many people and I know you don't fall out with many people, but there's people in the world that do um, yeah. fall, fall out of people. And you can just imagine them walking down the street and saying, oh, great block there, great block there, great person there. Just, you know, when you start falling out with people left, right and centre, it becomes difficult to manage. Yeah. Like, like I said, or, or like you said, sorry, the, it's just the fact that it applies also then to images. To images, yeah. Yeah. That's just amazing, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could start blocking celebrities. Uh, like, I wonder, you know, if we, you know, just say, obviously, we're both Tottenham supporters. Imagine if you blocked, like, Mikel Arteta, for example. We just don't, <laughs> does he just become grey everywhere? We don't listen to his interviews anymore. And, oh, can you imagine if you did that? Imagine that you once, yeah, there was a celebrity you really didn't like, you blocked them, and then you went to the cinema. And they're one of the main characters, but you couldn't get yeah. access to your device or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know. I, I think this episode, like I said, for me, this episode is just superb in both the story, the fact it's got three stories plus the overall one, how they all link up. I guess then we're going to get to the really, the important one, important question is what do you give this as a score? Oh, so... Your highest rated one, I don't know if I should keep saying this, but your highest rated one, you gave the entire history of you nine and be right back 9.5. 9.5, be right back. I'm going to put this one in the middle of those two. Yeah, I'm going to give it 9.2. And th- let me explain my logic. Yes, because I want an explanation. Yeah. I feel, oh, am I going to regret this saying this? I feel like this episode was very, very, very good. But I think I would have loved for them to be split up and delved into a lot more detail because I think there's some really good story ideas in there. And I think if you'd kind of, the dating coach one and the cookie one, I think if you'd done two full episodes on that, they could have been the two best episodes if they were done like really well. Could have been up there in the high nines. So just for that reason, I'm going to drag it back a little bit because I'd like to see four episodes done on them. Okay, I disagree with you, but okay. But, um, <laughs> 9.5. Yeah. 
Now I'm going to give this, so this will get my highest rating so far. That is, and I'm going to, I'm torn between 9.4 and 9.5. I feel like I want to go 9.4 because then that gives me more scope to add if there are better episodes to come along. So I'm going to go for 9.4. There we go. I'm going to lock that in now okay. rather than a 9.5 because yeah, I can then, I've got, basically I've got another six points I can add better episodes in. What, what I really like is you disagreed with my 9.2 and gave it 9.4 as if they're like massively massive different scores. Well, no, no. What I mean is for me, this is the best episode so far. I absolutely agree with you though. I, I, re, I do take what you're saying that I think this could be better episodes. Like the middle one about the cookie feels like that could be a much longer episode with the twist being that you don't realize basically what the twist in this episode is but i think why i love it so much is or to make it my highest is i I do love the fact that it is it hits you so many times you've got bam sort of a twist bam another twist bam another twist and then it all interlinks so it is like a, a super length feature length edition of of it and you know considering he thought this was going to be the last episode yeah, it would have been a great send-off. Yeah, it would have been a great send-off. So, yeah, that, that's where I said I disagree. So, for me, in the sense that, for me, it's it's my highest-rated episode. So, I've um, got one more point I just want to raise. Sorry. And I know it's this going No, no, no. We can go bit. back to it. No, that's fine. Um, So, the Cookie episode, where he's obviously interviewing a copy of himself, and we discussed earlier about, is it inhumane to torture these, um, these beings or, or these entities? Um. But if it's human enough to get a confession out, which kind of stands up in court and is able to send a man down to prison, surely it's human enough for torture as well. I, I feel like there's a there's a bit of a, um, a balance yeah, there. But, but in if my it's head, good though, enough for one... <laughs> God. No, but in my head, though, the person you're seeing, so the guy in the cabin and, you know, in the episode, the woman in that control room, they only know what they know because they've extracted the memories from the person into them. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's almost like they've made a facsimile and they've made that person be exactly like them by putting their memories in. So it's that, that's what I'm trying to say. Are they human and are they culpable because you've told them what to think? So do you think torturing is okay on these people, on these on these beings? That's probably no, what should end no, up no, 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 I think no, that's what that's what I was saying to you. I think it's wrong what they're doing because that's why it made me think that the police were just trying to get you know, they knew they can't do that to someone in real life. So it's almost like they're living their fantasy of torturing a, a criminal in that one and they don't yeah, care yeah. about them because they see it as a not a real person. It would almost but... be less torturous just to switch them off, wouldn't it? And just like, that feels like a better end, end game. Yeah, you remind me, because I think that's what makes the whole point of that second part of the episode, where you see the woman so disheveled, so distraught. That is a key element to bring back, because it shows that it is almost a, well, it is a kind of torture to them, and they are experiencing real stress. So... And and even her, she didn't know. He's like, why why are you why are you forcing me to do this? And it's like that that that's where I'm trying to come from. Is that I think it's wrong because the person doesn't know anything other than what they've been told. They have to remember. So agreed. Really good episode. Re- really enjoying this. I, I mean, I was just looking at the score, and for me, it's just you know, if it wasn't for the Waldo moment, which I think is a good episode, but kind of broke the momentum up. 
it's got really into a real rhythm, hasn't it? Yeah. Now, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I've seen them all other than I haven't seen Bandersnatch and I haven't seen the latest season. But it's going to be interesting now to see it go into to Netflix. So I think the next episode is Nosedive, isn't it? Yeah, and I, to be honest, I, I can't really... I know I can't remember the order of the episodes in and that name doesn't trigger the storyline that I remember. So it's, it's one of my... I remember really enjoying this. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it as that. Do you have anything else to, um, to talk about on this? No, no, I think I'm good. I think we've kind of covered most points. Yeah, really, really good episode. So I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah, and as I said, I keep saying before, even if you've listened to this episode and haven't seen it, do watch it. I think that's all for this episode then. Join us on the next one where we start season three and episode one is Nosedive. So until then, take it easy. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause if you need it, don't make us get a sport.